For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's time once again for another Blunt Business on CannabisRadio.com. Thank you for always joining us here on the program, wherever you find the show, whether it be through the major podcast portals of Amazon, Apple, Spotify, iHeartRadio, among the like. My next guest has been setting the bar for excellence in public relations, serving the corporate agency and nonprofit arenas for local, national, international clients. She's an award-winning entrepreneur. She's been nationally recognized for her ability to develop winning strategies and successfully deliver creative campaigns for her clients. And her firm's work on the cannabis space, notably, has resulted in a growing list of clients from processing facilities to consumer products sold in big box retailers. My guest is the CEO of Duray & Company, uh, named after the president and CEO, Duray Ross. Duray, thanks for being on with us. Thank you so much for having me. I really, really appreciate it. It's my pleasure. It's been nice to go and get it, go and get in contact with you. If everybody knows that, a lot of times, if we have guests on Blunt Business, they are through people of PR farm, PR firms such as Duran Company that we have brought on. If not here, on other shows on the network, so we have our constant contact. And also being within the South Florida area, we are surprised we have not connected more or sooner. But anyway, Duran, you're a pioneer. And adapting emerging industries, including hemp, cannabis, and most notably now, as we'll talk about today, psychedelics. And your firm recently sponsored the inaugural psychedelic business medicine business event, Wonderland Miami, which was uh, by Microdose. And you said this about the event. Quote, events such as Wonderland Miami by Microdose further established the psychedelics industry, the, uh, the psychedelics industry's enormous potential and need for education and strategic communication marketing, branding, media outreach, corporate social responsibility, efforts, and more. And you've opened a neuro wellness practice area to promote existing and potential clients in the space. And you're looking, that, that was part of the reason for being participating in this, this, what you saw was a pivotal event. So expand on what prompted the initial interest in psychedelics and the creation of a neuro wellness practice area within your firm. Sure. So, it was ultimately cannabis that led me to psychedelics specifically. And we have a number of clients in the space. They were also speaking and involved in the Wonderland um, convention. And it just seemed like a natural fit for us to be there, to be supporting our clients and also always want to stay ahead of the curve. It's, it's just like cannabis. Things are moving so quickly and it's a fascinating time. 
seeing well, a now, lot of I want to I want to ask you about that part before you, we move along into psychedelics and, and how you were working the PR uh, turn on to psychedelics is the fact that it was 2018 was a pretty pivotal moment just for the industry itself because and this is what I want to ask and I've always been curious about is because we saw a lot of PR firms in 2018 going into 2019 for whatever reason you know they became the marketing arms for a lot of major companies and you know coming from, and, and I mean almost every PR firm I could think of have came uh, have come from a mainstream or traditional background so what was it that led your team to say okay this is a niche we need to be into right now. It's no longer fringe. We're finding it. It's going to have really mainstream potential, and we really need to go ahead and we need to go ahead and put our claws into the sector as well. So you followed what a lot of the PR firms did, but I wanted to know what was what was there anything that, that kind of gave you indication that you needed to be in this industry initially, cannabis, and then eventually we'll talk about psychedelics. Sure. Well, it was the best thing I can tell you. It was the best way that we got into it. An existing client in another industry called me up and said, I need you. I need you in the space. Do you know anything about it? Totally unrelated. I mean, we're talking real estate, right? We're talking from real yeah. estate, bringing us into, it was, in, you know, it was on the hemp side. And it was a call from a, from a long time, long, long time client. And that's what did it for us. And so we didn't even tell people we were in the space. We didn't put it out there for a long time just because we will still always work in those other industries. I mean, I've been in business, it'll be 22 years very soon here since I incorporated right. and we're not giving up or walking away or not focusing in some of, of, of the other industries that we're known for. And so for us, the focus will not just be cannabis and psychedelics, that sort of a thing. This is just kind of an addition for us. And it's been, you know, obviously a huge part of the company's growth, right? So you can't, you know, that's a, we have a, a lot more team members and, and there's a lot of growth there. So for us, it was the best way when an existing client says, I need you, can you wrap your head around it? Can you figure this out? And I said, well, number one, I'm a part-time resident of, of Colorado for, you know, decades. And so I've seen, uh, you know, on the, the recreational side, obviously not hemp, but on the recreational side where things have come from and watch that happen right in front of my eyes, literally. And I said, I need to figure out all the moving parts, you know, please give me a little bit of time and what a learning curve it was, quite frankly. And, and even now in, you know, almost 2022, um, it, it's very different than it was in 2018 and 2019. And I think a lot of that is just the regulatory aspect and also just, you know, more acceptance, more, you know, just by everybody. And so we're constantly shifting and changing how we're talking about clients, you know, inserting them into appropriate conversations and the like of that. But um, you know, so it's it's different now than it was when we started in it. But right, we didn't well, just and decide. the reason why it would have been, I would imagine, as well, is because, like you just before you said before, it there was a little bit of a needing to go ahead and not be too public about the fact that you're working in the cannabis space, because there would be a little bit of a possible ruffling of feathers among other clients. That I was a it's a common theme I've heard from uh, from other PR firms we've had on the on the show as well that they had a little bit of that, but now it's much more acceptable. I think that, I think that's all. Yes, I agree with you. And I think that's all part of the education that all of us have done, plus the companies, plus the PR firms, you know, the manufacturers. I mean, they've all, we've all spent lots of time, money, and effort educating patients, consumers, buyers, whatever you want to call them based on where you're, where you're located. But it, it, it's, we've all worked very hard to, to help educate. And I, 
commend all of us because it's not easy. It's not easy in, in that aspect at all. And it's a continual education as things are changing and regulations and um, you know, what's going on. It's, it's a constant kind of, you know, shifting. And then really for us, I think COVID really put it into overdrive. And when we're talking about Florida and you have, you know, it's, 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 you know, it's medical yet you have the state declaring it um, essential. I mean, how, interesting is that where you have the state of Florida, you know, you're medical only, but then you've been deemed an essential business and can be open. So, I mean, how interesting to me, that was like, you know, certainly a sign of things to come for Florida, um, you know, for the next step, which I know many of us are hoping will be coming sooner rather than later. Um, but, you know, keeping a really a, a watchful eye on state legislation, federal, where things are moving, acts that are, you know, hoping that we hope get through, that all factors into the education, the strategy that we work on. And it's, a, it's, a, it's, you know, it's, it's an incredibly exciting time. And I can tell you having been at the MJ BizCon in Vegas um, just recently that it was fantastic. And it, it, it's just looking really, really fantastic for the whole cannabis industry. You bring up a good point. The thing is, in the last year, I think I've been able to formulate a theory that because of the fact that we had businesses deemed essential during the pandemic, some of the things that have been done by policymakers to try to get some kind of relief towards the industry, it just in the last couple of months when it comes to, you know, sending a memo to Merrick Gard on the attorney general to deschedule, to have something happen, give us a deadline and let's make this happen to trying to insert the safe banking act measurements into the national defense authorization act. And then just Senate Democrats trying to go ahead and persuade to get the, Cannabis Advancement and Opportunity Act into a chance to be passed. The, you know, we're not the 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 path to full legalization has not. We don't see that yet. We don't have a timeline for it. But we know there are allies within it that are right now that have really recognized the industry. We know that, you know, Senator Chuck Schumer of New York has also mentioned about how Colorado has done so well because of, of what was learned in the last decade when he was first hesitant to see how the industry was going to do and seeing where it is today and realizing, you know what, in a national effort, this would absolutely work. So we have people that are, you know, rallying the cry to get the industry to get on board. Now in the psychedelics realm, I want to know about that is that that's first of all, before we go into that, let me just give a quick context. Psychedelics also known as hallucinogens are a class of psychoactive substances that produce changes in perception, mood, and cognitive processes. According to market researcher data bridge, the psychedelic drugs market is projected to reach 6.85 billion by 2027, which is, you know, it's not at the level where cannabis is, where it's said to be much more in the billions, you know, just maybe duplicate or, uh, or triple the amount that would be right there in a few years time, which is, let's go ahead and direct back to the Duran company. You're offering PR and marketing services for newly regulated psychedelic markets, including strategic public relations support, effective marketing, innovative branding, in-depth media outreach, and the development of CSR initiatives. And as companies are seeking to publicize scientific findings, solidify investment opportunities, and educate consumers about the many benefits of psychedelics, your firm is serving as the communications partner for clients. So there's no opportunity left to chance. Now, in the same vein with cannabis, when it comes to scientific findings, when it comes to research, when it comes to new announcements, first of all, psychedelics, do you find it in, in a parallel fashion as a level of growth that cannabis is going to get? I mean, do you think like those two industries are going to be hand in hand? Or are they going to be separate? And then I still wanted to go ahead and follow back up with you on what you're doing in the neuro wellness practice area and how that ties all in together. <laughs> 
Sure. You know, I, when I first got into, again, when I was brought in, cause I, it's like, I've been brought in, which is very, very nice that it wasn't, we're going to go do this and go get it. We were, we were brought by clients and I'm eternally grateful to our clients for the many, many opportunities. They, they kind of don't let go of us and bring us with them. And it's incredibly rewarding and, and so appreciated from, from our end. Um, you know, when I first started learning about it, I kept saying, but you know, I'm so used to the, to be honest, the roadblocks with cannabis. I'm used right. to feeling there's a roadblock in everything that you do, or my clients have a roadblock, you know, with everything that they do. And I kept saying, well, well what about this? Nope. That's, you know, and, and also we've done a lot in the space of ketamine too, which, you know, is, is, is kind of underneath the psychedelics, you know, brand, but, but it's used, you know, it, it's used today, um, you know, on children having dental procedures and has been for many years. So, you know, we have to be careful because I know psychedelics is a big, wide, big, wide range of, of that. And there are different kind of, um, you know, different compounds and, and different uses. So, you know, I don't want to paint too wide of a, of a stroke, but, sure. you know, fortunately one of the clients we work with is on the legal side. And so I always am asking him, well, what does this mean? How, you know, how does, how does this work? Or do we have the legal, you know, can we do this? Yes. You know, ketamine is legal. It's used off market, you know, so it's a very different situation than cannabis where, um, you know, I just feel like there are so many roadblocks and I feel so bad for our clients, but, you know, when you have the attention of some of the big companies that are going public and, you know, Peter Thiel and a lot of the folks that are investing in, you know, overall psychedelics, just, you know, mm -hmm. use that as a, as a general term. Um, and I, and I think also the interest has accelerated in my opinion for psychedelics also in conjunction with COVID and the depression rate and the suicide and the PTSD. And so the suicide rate is so incredibly high. And I think for many people, they're led to psychedelics as their last resort. And you hear this with celebrities who have come out and said, I would be dead if not for, you know, having the transformational um, opportunities that, you know, through psychedelics, you know, in a variety of different settings and different ways. And so I think that that really we've really opened our eyes to how depressed the world is and upset we are. And yep. I think going into, you know, two years of COVID, we're all kind of exhausted and, and not yeah. to say that we're all clinically depressed or have PTSD, but we're all fatigued. And so there are some people that have been living with this, you know, intense fatigue, you know, veterans, you know, many people, and they've been, they've been, you know, healed by it. And so, because of the regulatory nature of cannabis versus psychedelics, you know, the, the first thing I learned about cannabis, um, and specifically on the hemp side, which is where we started, you know, you can't make a claim. You can't right. say what it's good for. I mean, as a PR person who's been doing this for decades, to be able to, you know, to have to go out and, and promote a, a product, the first thing a client says is, is or excuse me, a reporter says is, great, what can I use this for? And we, and we can't say what we can't make a claim. We can't tell you. So we're pitching that this is the you know greatest product known to man. And they say, great, what kind of ailments can I use this for? Mm -hmm. And we can't say what it is. I mean, that's, it, it, that's just an insane situation for a publicist, any publicist to have to try to secure coverage without making claims that, you know, could lead to some serious consequences for the brand. But then we, we also need some clarification and some guidance from the FDA as this bill has been implemented. We haven't gotten that yet. And, you know, they're Still changing, <laughs> they're changing leadership in the FDA. We need to go and find out what they're going to do with that. But it's been it's been pushed along. The other thing I want to ask about when it comes to psychedelics is. Do we 
it's pretty safe to say that unlike cannabis, which has a medical and an adult use market, is it only going to be medical only for psychedelics? Is it only is it something where we want the environment to be where psychedelics can only be medically uh, prescribed? I, I would think that certainly, you know, most people want that in order to have it be safe and supervised yes. and make sure that this isn't, you know, and, and that the product is is of, you know, manufactured and, and not something that is not something you would want to take. So I, I do think that there certainly is a regulatory aspect and um, and, you know, and we would we would want that to make sure that there is a, you know, there's a. a that you're safe, to be honest, you know, you want to make sure that there are regulations around that. And, um, as we talk about regulations, one of our clients is actually has been drafting lots of different psilocybin, um, you know, for different counties and cities and States. And he's been on that legal, uh, road to that. And so there are different cities that have looked and States that are looking after they've been, you know, drafting different bills. We had one in Florida that didn't pass, but, but he drafted that as well too. And so, you know, that's how things start, obviously. And so I've known cities and states to be looking at this individually and, and together. And, you know, some some cities are just looking at it right now. And so um, I think the future is I know the future is bright there. I just it, it's 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 just interesting territory right now. And, and people are trying to get a legal framework around it. And then, you know, the constant kind of shifting. But there's no doubt that um, you know, per kind of our clients that are in the space, you know, this could be, you know, just gangbusters in terms of the size of, of the business and more than anything else, just helping people that, you know, really have, you know, no help, you know, they, they don't have any, they're, they've given up on life and, and they're, right. they're done. And right. so many people turn to this and on the flip side, it's not just people who are, who are, you know, who are done and, and ready to commit suicide either. I mean, there's, there's varying uses for this, um, you know, all sorts of PTSD, all sorts of rewiring of, of the brain, if you will. And so the, I don't even think we are anywhere clear, close to knowing all the beneficial uses with psychedelics. I think we're, you know, we're the research, you know, again, research, 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 it takes time with the research and yeah. now it's all gangbusters, but until we have more research, it's, it's going to be, you know, we're waiting, you know, we're all waiting. We, we, we have great people. We have great testimonies. There's, we've obviously um, been able to secure lots of, of TV interviews and, and other interviews with folks that have said, this has changed my life. I was at the end. This is what it did for me. So there's no doubt that this is life-changing. I don't think we're even close to knowing all that it can do in the life-changing aspects, if that makes sense. Yes. And I guess the one thing I'll figure out is if the cannabis industry or just, I mean, the fact that we're here on cannabis radio talking about it, that we're going to have psychedelics either be piggybacked into what the industry is doing here and where legislation might get tied and where psychedelics might be part of the conversation with cannabis or if it's going to be standalone they're going to be two separate entities but i would imagine some large corporations would probably want to go ahead and consolidate all that if they can make that happen i mean we work with a big investment fund that launched um, just this year and they're focused exclusively on on you know psychedelic companies so i you know i think really the sky is the limit here. We haven't even touched the surface as far as I'm concerned mm -hmm. on psychedelics. And it, I mean, it's just fascinating to me. I've, I've loved kind of melding the financial perspective with the fund that we're working with and kind of helping launch that. And then 
enjoying reading about all the, the, the different companies that they're investing in and what they're doing. And, and so really it's, it's just a fascinating time. And I'm just, I'm very curious. And I think that's what leads me to a lot of these, you know, other than clients bringing us in, you know, I have to feel comfortable that I can, you know, wrap my head around it, pitch it and do a good job. I'm certainly not going to take work on that. I'm not comfortable with. So as part of that, there's always this really deep immersion to make sure that we're when we initially start that we're understanding, but then also every day it's reading the updates that may be going on. I mean, just earlier in our conversation, you were referencing, you know, some of the, the politicians that are involved, you know, no matter what side that you're on, um, or if you're right down the middle of your political spectrum, it, it's good news that we also now have a Republican who has come up and said, she, it wants to, you know, she's working on a bill and you know, that's the only way, in my opinion, to really get the, the, the best bang for the buck, get the, get things happening, is if there's bipartisan support. And as you know, in today's world, that's incredibly rare. We certainly had that for the farm bill in 2018, but it's very rare across the board in anything that there's bipartisan support. And I think that, that kind of, um, those kinds of opportunities are what's going to change the face, certainly of cannabis, and I also think psychedelics, um, I know there's much broader support for psychedelics. Um, it's not as, um, you know, uh, I think because of the veterans, um, I think it's, it's less, um, you know, it's, it's new. And so people are nervous about it, but, um, I think there's, you know, there's, there's some serious hope there too, on the political side with that. I've been reading a lot, certainly every day we get up and we read, you know, the movements overnight and what's happening and really have to stay abreast on the advocacy side, because, we need to weave in our clients where appropriate, um, either as, you know, thought leadership or, yeah. you know, include that in a pitch that we're working on. So being a part of that. And, and that was one thing when we decided as a team, as a company to be brought into kind of the cannabis world, I said, if we're going to do it, we're going to go big. And I have enjoyed sitting on, you know, the board of the Florida Hemp Council. I'm involved in Cannabis Lab myself you know, with leadership right. positions. This isn't just about you know, a quick grab or anything like that for clients. It really is making sure that we're giving back to the industries in which we are now involved in and making sure that we're also providing opportunities and hopefully helping to elevate, you know, you know, lift, lift all of us up together in, in education and, and, in just, you know, growing the opportunity for all of us. So and I want to really bring important. more of that up. We have to go to a commercial break. We're running a little bit along, but I want to go ahead and talk to you about that, that whole idea where PR being essential for emerging industries such as cannabis and psychedelics. I want to get into that a little bit and also just a number of the things we got so much to cover and so little time. <laughs> so I'm here with DeRay Ross, President and CEO of DeRay and Company here on Plum Business. I'll be back after a short break. Rolling into some sponsors, but we'll be right back with more Blunt Business. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors and add blocks, no custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step -step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI powered help bot, 
Our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. That's bluehost.com slash wondersuite. This country was built on a distinctly American work ethic, but today work is in trouble. We've outsourced most of our manufacturing to other countries. And with that, we sent away good jobs and diminished our capability to make things. American Giant is a clothing company that's pushing back against this tide. They make a variety of high-quality clothing and activewear, like sweatshirts, jeans, dresses, jackets, and so much more. All made right here in the USA, from growing the cotton and adding the final touches. So when you buy American Giant, you create jobs for seamsters, cutters, and factory workers in towns and cities across the United States. And it's about more than an income. Jobs bring pride purpose. They stitch people together. If all that sounds good to you, visit American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order when you use code STAPLE20 at checkout. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com with promo code STAPLE20. I'm back here with Duray Ross, President and CEO of Duray and Company here on Blunt Business. And you wrote an article for Forbes a while back titled, Why PR is Essential for Emerging Industries. I want to take a quick passage from it. Quote, while emerging industries have been having an immense amount of potential, they can face barriers in the way to becoming profitable, whether it's an, uh, overcoming a stigma or having the right consumer education in place. It could be an uphill battle to be known to mass audiences. And that's where PR can play a critical role. And while moving along and while emerging industries are often the result of new technology, it's not always the case. Sometimes medical advancements, legal changes or the revival of a seemingly old fashioned idea, methodology or concept could be a catalyst. Now, PR, what can I say about it? Uh, so, like you said, 2018, 2019, really, it's pretty easy for me to go ahead and just find news stories and announcements and find potential guests for the program because PR firms like yours, they reach out to us on a regular basis. And I like to, I, I fondly call the PR folks that work in the cannabis industry gatekeepers. Uh, and I want to just find out, is there anything about these emerging industries you've learned based on what you've done for mainstream markets that's really a real sea change from some of the work you've done? I wanted to know, is it, because I feel like one thing would be is that in emerging markets, that some of your clients on the cannabis psychedelic sites, they could be possibly more demanding. They might ask for more or not so much more resources, but obviously more guidance. Well, certainly, I think in this space, as I mentioned earlier, it's constantly shifting. And so I think because of that and because of the regulations, it, it ultimately is a trickle down to us. So what can we say? Are we allowed to make a claim? Are they enforcing this now? Is there a redesign on the packaging that's going to affect our images that we need to send out? So it, it sometimes is little stuff like that that affects our PR that we have to work around um, or, you know, Florida Department of Ag, you know, FDAX is, is saying that, you know, everything, all the packaging needs to be redesigned. And now they're going to enforce the redesign. And that mm -hmm. trickles down to us on the PR side, because we may have been working on a story that was months in the making and we sent product images and now all that's got to change. And so yeah. that's very, you know, I'm boiling it down to a, you know, one example, obviously there are many, many examples, but it's constantly shifting and changing. And because of that, we're, we're in a, I know, I know the P word being pivot after the last two years is kind of a, a, a bad word. Nobody wants to hear it anymore, but True. we're constantly have, having to, to shift and to 
kind of be really flexible. And oftentimes in media, deadlines are not flexible. We are up against, uh, you know, there are times that certainly we're flexible to make things happen, but deadlines aren't. And we can't simply tell our journalists, sorry, we have to cancel, or we can't do this, or we can't meet your deadline, or, oh, now you need to change the image. I mean, that's not, you know, that doesn't look well, you know, for anybody, and it doesn't bode well for us as a company. So I, I think that just the constant changes, um, while they, it keeps it fun and exciting is one thing I love about it. It also forces a lot of changes. You know, one one thing, um, Delta 8, are they enforcing Delta 8? Or are they not? Obviously, that's a huge, huge thing across the US. Right. I feel like every day there's another state that is doing something. Yes, no, you know, and then you have, um, you know, you have legislative, you've got things going on. So kind of depends on where you're at and, um, you know, will they touch it? Will they enforce the law? How do you acknowledge, okay, how do you read this based on the, the, you know, the farm bill? So there's a lot of that, that is fluck, you know, fluctuating because of either the courts or are they going to enforce it or something happened that now they are going to enforce it? Well, because they're having trouble keeping up. I mean, even not just Delta eight, we've dealt with this year. But we know that next year, Delta 9, Delta 10, THCO, and HHC, they're all new letters and numbers we're going to have to deal with next. And some companies are going to do that because they can find the advantage of going through a loophole and saying, you know what? The Delta 8 loophole gave us some room to go and put some things to market. And we can kind of go around any kind of needs for recommendations or any kind of guidance or any kind of labeling or, uh, you know, and kind of endorsements they can put on those products. So they can put those out there, try to make some money off of that until there's some kind of regulation or a banning, which a number of states have already done with Delta 8. You have those things going on. So I can understand where you're coming from when it comes to the changing regulation, the changing market, and trying to keep in touch with what's happening and where each state or which markets will make changes that will just, they just make things a little bit harder for you. Just throw a big old monkey wrench into what you're doing. <laughs> I could just imagine you set your ways. That's for sure. You definitely (laughs) have to be willing to be, be pliable, flexible. And, you know, I, I, that actually is what I like because if I had to come in and do the same thing every day, I would be bored out of my mind. So I think that's also, um, you know, in, in being in business and being in PR, I mean, I started when I was 19, that was my first job. And, um, and then, you know, have been in the business for a long, long time with my own company now for, for 22 years, almost 22. And, I like the challenge. And so I, I, that is also what keeps me going and why I'm open to neuro wellness and all of this. And, and, you know, other than clients are certainly bringing us, but I wouldn't take something on that I'm either not comfortable with, or I don't think we can do a good job on. We're very, very careful about who we work with. And at the end of the day, we love our clients and we truly, I mean, we truly love them, love working with them. And it's just, I love what I do as a result. Well, but, and I, I, li- right. I like the challenge of it. And so I think that's what keeps me going. Well, because so they, also, it- they also don't, they, they push you out of your comfort zone, but then also you push yourself out of your comfort zone because you are willing to go into new markets. I want to get into another market real quick. You are now, your firm is also working in the area of cryptocurrency, which we know another subject with also <laughs> can tie into cannabis. And I don't even know how psychedelics might tie in, but I could see how somebody could try to do something with that. Now, with that said, early adopters have been investing in cryptocurrencies for over a decade. Even on the program, we were talking to those who were creating coins and tokens, sure. all that already early on, only a couple of years ago. And But through time of education, many more will do so as the idea of digital currency and its applications become more increasingly mainstream. Right now, it, it's blowing up 
especially this year, people have had the time to go ahead and really invest and to really start creating some products that can be put as collectibles, things like that. So for any company looking to grow and capture a wider audience, overcoming consumer intimidation is a giant first step. And while it's true that cryptocurrency is a big learning curve, education, access to information, and a relatable context can help break through a new audience. So uh, brands should think outside of industry-specific resources, you wrote, and make sure their efforts are making it into the mainstream. It's here that new audiences can be found. Now, we've talked to a number of guests that have been, and just recently, talking about using blockchain technology when it comes to financial processing, uh, payment processing systems, NFTs, and DeFi. Now, what's piquing your interest in the cryptocurrency sector now infusing with cannabis? Is that where, is the cryptocurrency sector, is that something part of another, where a client came in from another industry and said, I'm doing cannabis now? Same thing could have happened here, where they were working in a different industry and say, I'm working crypto, I need your help on this. Yeah, less about the cannabis connection to it and more about existing relationships of mm-hmm. folks that we've known for so long that are thought leaders and very important in the space and said, we need your help. And certainly, you know, very comfortable with it. The media is all over it. We're from South Florida. And if you know much about, you know, the, the mayor, Francis Suarez and his incredible, um, you know, offering with what's going on in South Florida with tech, people moving to South Florida. I'm a born and raised native of, of South Florida, Miami. And that's also a, for us being based in South Florida, a component of it as well, too. We're seeing, we do a lot in real estate, as I mentioned, that's how we kind of got into cannabis. You're seeing a lot there with crypto. You, And the, the crazy, the, the really crazy thing is the worlds are kind of, um, com, you know, just colliding because we'll have a, a, a crypto person buying, you know, an interesting real estate home or a cannabis CEO moving to South Florida and buying, you know, this incredible, fabulous home for sale. And so they're not all directly related, but they're, you know, they're merging. And because South Florida is really just so many people are moving here and so many companies are moving here or, and or opening up offices here, certainly it's the center for crypto at this point. I was actually at the the Bitcoin conference with a client um, earlier this year and you know, it, it, I mean, this is where it's at, you know, given the mayor and what he's doing with his coin and, and all of that's going on here. So when you couple the high tech driving here that, you know, that's moving here for, you know, tax flight and, you know, a variety of reasons, and then you've got just everything going on in South Florida and, and it, it's just been a natural fit for us. And then again, those existing relationships brought us into, into that as well too. So we've worked with uh, quite a few clients in this space now, and with South Florida being the hub of of crypto, um, it's pretty fascinating. It's moving really, really quick. I mean, we have our arena now, you know, named from American Airlines to FTX. I mean, just what just the impact that is happening in South Florida, even at a local level. But and but actually, you bring up a good point because I just saw that the Staples Center is going to be renamed the Crypto.com Arena. Oh. Yep, it's 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 not just South Florida. Certainly, it's it's all over. <laughs> Um, and you have a lot of them going public via SPAC. And, and so that whole kind of investment component and certainly working with uh, with public companies um, in the cannabis space too. And obviously that's a good portion of, of what we do. So really trying to wrap our head around all of that and how that's constantly moving and, and, and shifting, but really just it being in South Florida and what's going on here and, and just so many offices being headquartered here or they're moving their headquarters here and in, in the crypto world, it's been 
really fascinating. And Bitcoin attending that conference was, was kind of beyond beyond comprehension, to be honest. And I attend a lot of conferences, but it was really, right. really fascinating. Oh, uh, a couple of things I want to make sure to do a little housekeeping while we're doing on the program. When we were talking about the uh, the bipartisanship when it comes to policymaking in the industry, it was Representative Nancy Mason of South Carolina. And then I was going to make mention of uh, how Cory Gardner from Colorado working on with Elizabeth Warren on the States Act. There was that part of bipartisanship just to prove that point and bring those names to light. Now, you just mentioned the mayor of Miami, Francis Suarez, and I mean, I mean, for them is to really solve a problem because they have a, what a roughly like a thirty million dollar debt they're trying to go ahead and take care of, and they just, I mean, really just to work with conventional currency to try to make their government function. I mean, it's the same idea where El Salvador, I believe, the president there has also tried to go ahead and use cryptocurrency as a different as a new currency to work off of to really take care of and sustain that government so the same thing happens with the mayor of miami and trying to go this route why not i mean let's look for different avenues of working on it and it's obviously people are seeing that we're not crypto's not going away and if we're going to have a destabilizing currency or a destabilizing economy then a currency like this which has been talked about for over well over a decade and we're seeing more people talking about it and more people investing and you know it's there's no shortage of people that are jumping on, on to this and saying, okay, if there's enough people going to be well invested into it and stabilizing a digital currency, whichever which one that pops out, if it's not Ethereum, if it's not Shiba, if it's not Doge, mm-hmm. if it's not Bitcoin, something's going to come from it and people are going to get into it. Same thing with the NFTs. And it's all of that. It's a fascinating time. It, it, there's no doubt. I mean, it, it's it's every day. It's it's. I think again, that's part of that emerging industries that 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 we love is is staying abreast of what's going on. And then you have the mayor taking his salary and, um, you know, in 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 coin. And it's just it's 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 fascinating. And it, we're excited to be a part of it. And they do somehow all tie back together in different ways. So that's um, not how it. We're all intertwined to it. It really is those existing relationships. But then it, it's springboarding off of that also, and and really magnifying there's going to be a minority of, of bad actors out there. And I think that's, I think we just have to expect that, right? I think yeah. that we're used to having bad actors. Um, there are bad actors all over, you know, cannabis, quite frankly, yeah. you know, yeah. there's bad actors in every industry. It, it's, I think we just have to figure out who they are and figure out what's the approach with them. If, if, if we're going to work with them, but I think that's par for the course, but where it gets really, really difficult and, and has become much more difficult is you know, clients want all the questions. They want everything in advance. They want to know. And many reporters, especially old school, are not going to provide questions or not going to provide all the questions because they don't want a canned interview and they don't want to be controlled. And I, I respect that as well. And so, you know, that obviously puts us and all PR firms in a place where, you know, we can't get the questions, but we'll certainly, pre- you know, prepare, brainstorm what what might the questions look like so that clients are, are prepared to answer them. But it's tough because the the expectations are higher than they've ever been from clients. The, you know, wanting to just control and and, you know, I get it. I mean, listen, when I want to go on when I go on media, I want to know what the questions are too. Um, I much prefer the clients to be on versus me. I, I'm less of of wanting to be on the mic or in front of the camera. I'm kind of blushing and laughing and smiling at the same time if you can't hear it uh, because it, to me it's all about the clients. But yep. 
I do put myself in their position. And we've done a lot of live segment, live national segments with some very important CEOs. I don't care who you are. When you sit there and you're in a studio and you're live on national TV, it's scary. I don't care how you've prepped. I don't care who you are. It is you know, a nerve wracking situation, no matter how much you prepare, no matter how many times you've done it, it still is a, you know, a very scary situation. And I, and I can't be on air, you know, I can be with them, but I'm not the one on we've, we've prepped, we've, we've gone back and forth and we've done everything we need. So we've done our job right in, in, in that respect, but we can't control that. And you can't control if there's breaking news and that live segment was just interrupted for breaking news and you've sure. just lost the segment uh, or the segment's been canceled. And so I think that those are just the difficult things that we're navigating as PR people. It's no different than, I mean, I'm not telling anybody anything different than any other PR firm. I want to bring up one story. This is just something I wanted to bring up because there's another podcast I do, which is basically media commentary and criticism. And one of the things that came out through deadline.com, it's kind of a little bit off tangent here, but since we're in this area of PR and the media, uh, the New York Times, former New York Times CEO, Mark Thompson, he spoke at the Freeview outside the box event and He made a quote that I thought really just stands out. I'd love to get your take on this. Quote, news feels like a particularly old-fashioned style of broadcasting aimed entirely at older audiences. And being in the U.S., TV news seems completely unchanged since the 1980s. I think it is in dead trouble. End quote. And then he also mentions that broadcasters' greatest challenge is to reinvent the experience of serious journalism for a smartphone generation. My point is, is that do I feel like does PR need to go and fill that role? If if the news is not going to do right by that, does PR need to be become more important? Maybe the age of where news and how it's been reported, it's going to get changed altogether, and then PR becomes the new news sources. Well, I would say, yeah, and I would say even more so, it's PR and social media and that content, all of that is kind of is stepping into that place where there is the hole, and that certainly has been the rise of influencers and bloggers and all of that. And so they are stepping into that role and we've seen that, right? And so PR kind of at the end of the day is generally behind most of, of, of you know, the influencers that are posting and a lot mm-hmm. of the blogs that are featuring information and then creating that content and the bylined articles that are written by the individuals in lieu of the reporter writing it because they don't have reporters. So certainly, and, and even if you're looking at, you know, the younger generation, I have I have teenagers and Mm -hmm. they don't even have TVs in their rooms and they don't even want TVs in their rooms. (laughs) They don't, I mean, they did when they were little because that was different and it was TV, but with, you know, certainly with the iPad and everything going on, they don't, they don't even watch TV. So when you're talking about broadcast, if you're talking specifically about TV now on the flip side, you know, if there's a Spider-Man trailer that came out last night that got released on social media, you can bet that was the topic of, of conversation and shared all yeah, over. So exactly. I think the, the way, and I, you know, I'm, I'm referencing Spider-Man cause my son's a huge, huge fan. And, but the, the, the way the medium that's used to now distribute that information, I think that's really what's changed. Certainly on the broadcast side, you know, if him speaking about broadcast, obviously that's a, a big challenge for them. And then you've got all the streaming services and all of that. Oh, yeah. So it, it's it's all continuing to to evolve, and I don't think that's a bad thing. Um, certainly, the only thing that concerns me as a publicist is 
goodness, I don't want local programming to go away because all of the local programming that we need, the news, the local news, the local news stations that do great things to support, um, to support charities that might be doing something, helping raise funds, things that may be going on. I don't, I don't want to see local news go away because broadcast is di- is dying and local news. So right. from my end, I hope it doesn't go away because we, you know, we need the local news and people do tune into that. Now my kids don't t- tune into that. And and for reference, I have a 15 year old and an almost 19 year old. So when I say mm-hmm. teenagers, they're, you know, sure. pretty, um, you know, they're kind of a, a big range there, but I think it's still important, but a lot of times now, I mean, give you a quick example. Years ago, if you didn't have the camera crew come out from the TV station and record the video or rush to send the video to the TV stations Mm -hmm. yourself, which was a totally different feat of epic proportions, and I'm going back quite a while, then you weren't on TV. Now it's great. Shoot us some B-roll, email it over to us, and we'll run the segment. I mean, and so here publicists are becoming journalists in a way, you know, citizen journalists and having oh, to yeah. grab the video on our iPhones. I mean, that's obviously been something great that's that's dramatically changed PR, broadcasting, um, and and the world, certainly where people are are getting videos and that is, is has changed the world. So I think that's actually one positive thing mm-hmm. that has changed the world a lot that also makes our life easier. On the flip side, you know, you're still vying for that time and the time is getting shorter and shorter. So- you know, I think it's just continuing to evolve. I, I really yeah. do. And I don't know where it's going, but uh, certainly, you know, we're in it for the long haul. And, you know, what is that next thing? Where where else can we tap into that makes sense, given our target demographics that we're looking to go after? Well, and it needs to evolve. And the truth is, like you said, with the change of how people are, are watching or consuming their content, that watching on a regular conventional, you know, flat screen TV might not be where it is down the line. We know subscribers Circulation numbers are dropping, dwindling for publications, uh, even for those with just digital paywalls. It's just not working out. They need to find a new way to build. They need to build that new mousetrap, and they're just milking what's ever left of this last mousetrap until it runs dry. So I'm here with DeRay Ross, president and CEO of DeRay & Company here on Blunt Business. Back after a short break, we want to go ahead and talk a little more about just everything going along, um, staying proactive and the strategy you put along in PR to stay on top of the right niches and, and the right spaces uh, as a PR firm such as Duran Company. Be right back after a short break. Just to give you a heads up, uh, that when I did a little bit of that, re- when I went in and did the reset there, that portion right there is going to be some exclusive content we're going to put out for those on a, on a subscription side. So I wanted to put that. It'll be put aside, but I'll make sure you get a copy of that nevertheless. Um, so we can have that in there, but from whatever that point I, I took double duty. <laughs> <laughs> well, because we want to have that extra content. Slice right. it and dice it. You're welcome to use it. Happy Thank to you do so it. much. I appreciate it. Sure. Rolling into some sponsors, but we'll be right back with more blunt business. And we're back with final questions with Duray Ross here on Blunt Business, President and CEO of Duray and Company. And while we're leading into this, I I need to go and give out some information about Duray and Company. First of all, the website initially. D-U-R-E-E and company.com. You also have a specialized cannabis site, which is CannabisMarketingPR.com. And now you have a new specialized psychedelic-specific site, PsychedelicPR.com. And then there are companies also, you can follow on all social media platforms, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, LinkedIn, at Duray, C-O-P-R-D-U-R-E-E. Uh, so what I want to ask real quick is, 
you were spoke you spoke with the Bograton Observer, Bograton, Florida, uh, and you spoke about how the firm strives to be proactive. Quote. A strategy is behind everything that we do. No matter the industry or scope of work, we're purposeful in our intent and take a proactive approach for every project we take on. We don't sit around waiting for the news to happen. We look for opportunities to tell our clients' stories. End quote. Now, I am in complete agreement with being proactive and always staying ahead of the times, looking ahead towards trends. And with that said, you know, I want you to go ahead and expand on where you do right now in terms of staying ahead of the, of the pack and being proactive when it comes to following along the headlines that, that the community should be aware of, including psychedelics, crypto, and the new niche fields your firm is committing to. Goodness. Um, you know, we, we, we do really strive to be organized and as such, being prepared and helping our clients stay prepared. And I, I will say that definitely since COVID, it's gotten more, more difficult because people are stretched. Things are changing, you know, crazily, things aren't delivered. Um, the supply chain is broken. And so there's this constant shift. And so really try, we just try to be super organized and help our clients. Most of our clients, their whole day is not just to focus on PR, right? They've got lots of other things were just a component of, 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 of their day. And so by us staying really on task and on target, and certainly things can shift and change and we get that, but we really want to step back and go, okay, are we delivering, you know, in the initial conversation or for our year planning or for our goals for this launch, we identified X, Y, and Z. Are we on target to hit those? Is this, is this what we're, what we're going to hit, or do we need to go back and revise that based on things change things? You know, I, we, we always want to make sure that we're looking forward and, and, and anticipating what might be coming and what is coming that we know about. There's always lots of stuff we don't know about, which keeps it fun and interesting, sure. but I've always believed just kind of like prepare for what you know about so that this way you're ready for what you don't know about. And it just feel like with just, especially since COVID it's, it's, it's just beyond words at how things are constantly shifting all day long and the changes that are, are, that we're faced with in a variety of different ways. And so it's, it's really helping keep clients on task and also being self-sufficient. Okay. Is there a way we can get this information so that we're not waiting on it? Can we do our own research and find this and then just get approval on it? Can we get a draft together of something with enough information that we have and leave blanks with missing information? Um, or do we get a draft together that even if, you know, if it's a bylined article, they can just edit something mm -hmm. like that. So it, it, it's really trying to listen at the end of every, every month, we need to just every day, we have to justify our existence. And that is really at the core belief of, of my philosophy and, and my being is mm -hmm. what we always want to be able to do is when a client or maybe the CEO, or maybe somebody's supervisor says, what are we getting? What, what did we get from PR? Where, what did we get? What, we always want to make sure that we're documenting, that we're anticipating and we're proving our value for you know, for our clients. And sometimes it's hard to show the value. It, it sometimes it's, it's, it's difficult if it's not a direct sales related, or you've got a, a, a barrier to, to purchase something. It's very hard to always show, did we, you know, did we hit, um, you know, all of our goals? Did we hit, you know, the sales and sometimes sales come much, much later after, you know, oh, creating yeah. an awareness campaign. And so that's no different for any industry that, that we work in. And, and so, that's always a challenge for us, but we always want to document 
what we've got done, what's coming. And so we keep very active with our clients and making sure that we're not annoying them. You know, there's that fine line between being a nudge or annoying and, and following up and, and touching base and still moving the needle, right? We still, at the end of the day, if we don't have certain information, we still have to be able to get, get the clips one way or another and, mm -hmm. and, and prove our value. So I think it's a really delicate, it's gotten much, much more difficult since COVID just because everybody is stretched so thin. And, and I think in all fairness, I know I can speak for myself. I'm exhausted. I'm exhausted. I mean, when COVID first hit, it was seven days a week. Yeah. I mean, it was not quiet for us. We were the busiest we've ever been trying to help clients navigate crisis situations, closings, openings, Oh yeah. you know, all oh, yeah. sorts of, 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 of challenges. And so I'm super grateful to our clients for making sure that they kept us on. Right. Because, you know, that was, is a big challenge and was a big challenge for many people, mm -hmm. but making sure that we're always proving our, our worth. And I know like many other PR firms that were able to keep their clients, I'm sure that they can, you know, appreciate like I do. And they do appreciate that tough decisions were made to keep us on. I know that without knowing it, I know that there were decision budgetary decisions that were made to make sure that we were kept on to help them you know, in other areas that maybe they had to cut. And so I'm forever grateful for that. Yeah. I'll tell you, it's um, for me, you know, going back to the fact that I, I've worked on a mainstream podcast that we're going back to 2005, we actually hosted a show there called cover story. And we always kept following the transition from traditional to digital PR, the digital disruption. I like to talk about it on a media podcast I do outside of cannabis radio, which I will not promote because we're on here. But the thing I can tell you is that when it comes to PR, I mean, listen, I don't envy what you have to do and what you do with the clients, because I mean, we know there are some that, first of all, you might have clients that are coming on board that they might have all this VC, all this seed money right now. They don't know what to do with it. And they might not handle, may not be able to manage it properly and not understand why the need for PR. But then in these industries, you know, maybe the tech industry may might have somebody in house that could do any some proper writing, put something through PR web or go through business wire and write their own press releases and see what it does with that. But with what you do, this handholding process, it's important. And we've seen that every cannabis, there are so many cannabis companies, all the major companies they all have PR representation, all of them. There's a reason why. And, you know, I know that because of the fact that these are the same companies that we might reach out to ourselves as Canvas Radio for sponsorship that we want to bring on board and say, hey, you know, we have content we work with you on. But it's a matter of there is definite separation when it comes to doing PR, when it, be, when it is an advertising agency or when it's a marketing arm and what people they have on board to work with or how much you need to go ahead and take off their plate to be able to handle that portion. I can only imagine what all that you go through, but I really do appreciate all the time you've taken with me today. And real quick, like I said, we'll give the websites one more time. DuraeandCompany.com. The specialized cannabis site is CannabisMarketingPR.com. Psychedelic specific, it's psychedelicpr.com. If you want to just take one more minute to read to talk to our listeners, obviously a lot of cannabis companies listen to the program. Why, you know, a PR firm or if they if, if they're looking to look at PR firms, why would you know what's the important reason of having a PR firm, you know, that you outsource to and you bring on board into the fold and they help you craft the message that you need to get your product to, out to market better and more with more exposure than ever. I'd say it's 
giving you the outside perspective while being inside, protecting you from yourself, making sure that you're not going to make a decision or say something that could down the road, you know, harm you. So can't always protect that, but can certainly be the, uh, you know, the counsel. And those are tough conversations to have. I don't always relish saying, okay, if you go this, it means this. And if you do this, it means that, you know, down the road, if you're saying this. And so I think, you know, the strategy, look, bringing an outsider's perspective, but internally so that you can really think things through and you're close, mm. but far, if that makes sense, you can kind of give that. And, and also explaining what media is looking for and they're going to yeah. accept this. They're going to be interested in this. They're not going to want this. And here's where things could backfire, um, you know, really providing that, that counsel, and when, you know, there have been times in my career where we've been brought on and it's not listened to, and it doesn't have to be our way. It's just simply, you know, help us help you is where mm -hmm. we come from. And so, you know, there have been times like many PR firms that we've had to, you know, part ways with a client. Fortunately, it doesn't happen very often, but, you know, if we can't help, if we can't help the client, I certainly don't want to take somebody's money and right. not be able to help move the needle and, and, and feel like we're doing a good job. And so fortunately it doesn't happen that often, but it does happen. And at the end of the day, I have to live with myself, my team, you know, we all have to know that we did a good job and we just want to be able to do a really nice job for our clients. And so, you know, I think all PR firms feel like that. They all want to wake up and feel like they're making a difference and they're helping people. And, you know, that's so much of our, our charitable outreach that we do at our agency, which is just personally self-fulfilling. We do so, so much charitable and nonprofit work, uh, pro bono stuff or low bono, um, you know, it's a new term. Nice. Uh, but, but I think that, you know, having that perspective and bringing that to the client is, 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 is very much appreciated. And we're very thankful to be able to do that for, for the clients that we get to work with. So it really and truly is an honor to get to do what I do every day. It's crazy as we've talked about, uh, mm -hmm. there's no doubt about it, but I, I kind of, I kind of like that. I obviously very much like the crazy. Yeah. Duray Ross, president and CEO of Duray and company. Thanks for being with us here on Blunt Business. Really glad to have you on through taking time out to talk to us. Thank you so, so much. Our pleasure. And thank you, listeners, for listening in. Hope you really got a lot of this conversation, and we'll talk to you next time. The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast, republication, or retransmission of this program without proper consent is prohibited.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.